This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. This is the official radio home of the Chicago Cubs. Listen to every game here on Sports Radio 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Opposite field home run, Seiya Suzuki. Live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We are WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. In Odyssey Station. The score! Yeah, I mean, it is what it is now. You know, um, they did what they were supposed to do, supposed to at home. We got another opportunity, still home court. That's our goal now. You know, um, we got a lot we could dissect from this game, be able to come in and, and, and look over a lot of stuff tomorrow, try to clean up and be better at. You know, it definitely sucks, miss opportunity, but we got one more opportunity here in Milwaukee before, before we go back to Chicago. <laughs> DeMar DeRozan after the Bulls' loss against Milwaukee in Game 1, 93-86 on Sunday night, a game in which they really probably should have won. Very easily could have, but I think they should have actually won that game. Game 2 is coming up tomorrow night, and that is in Milwaukee as DeRozan said, who went 6-for-25 in Game 1. And that just, it ain't good enough. It just ain't good enough. And I know the man had carried the team on his shoulders for a huge part of the season because of injuries. And he was playing, I mean, historically good basketball at points during the regular season. We've gone through all of it. You know all about it. And he was remarkably good. But he's got to be better. He's got to be better now because it matters now. Same thing for Levine. And even Vucevic, who had a nice game, um, in, in terms of the production, not in terms of the efficiency, because nobody, with the exception of Kobe White, on Sunday night was efficient. He was 5 of 10 shooting. And that was it. Everybody else was really bad as far as efficiency goes. I don't want to make you puke if you hadn't heard it already, but I'll go ahead and tell you anyway. So get your barf bags out. Uh, Three-point shooting for the Bulls, 18.9%. They attempted 37 times, shot under 19% from three. That is not going to work. Even for a team that had gotten worse at three-point shooting toward the end of the year, 
uh, that still isn't good enough. They they got to do better than that, especially against the Bucks. If there's going to be any sort of opportunity to win this series, and I know, I know it's not going to happen. I know. I mean, I guess anything can happen, but if they end up, honest to God, if they end up <laughs> winning this series or even forcing it to seven, that'll be a mini miracle. The Bucks are just too good, and they've got arguably the most dominant player on the planet. And they got good support players. It's just a good team. Really, really good team. They just won the damn title. So I don't expect that to happen, but I'd still like to see them steal a game or two here. And it's still disappointing. I mean, you can't, you're a fan, right? When you're watching these games, you can't help, but like, you know, in the back of your mind, all right, they can't beat this team. They can't beat this team in a best of seven. But you're still a fan, so you're still thinking, maybe, you know? And when they don't perform well or or they don't take advantage of opportunities that are there for them to take on a platter, on a tee, whatever cliche you want to use, it was all there for them on Sunday, and they just, here's another cliche, drop the ball. And it sucks. Like, that really does suck. Ugh, boy. Anyway. Um, by the way, because the Bulls game goes up against a Cubs game tomorrow night, Wednesday night we're talking about here, the Bulls and Bucks pregame on Wednesday 8.15 on WBBM, 7.80. So that game's going to be on 7.80. The Cubs will be on the score on Wednesday night. Cubs and Rays pregame starts at 6.05 on uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow and Tuesday. Okay. So the Cubs will be on the score Wednesday. The Bulls will be on 7.80 on Wednesday. Game two against Milwaukee is on WBBM. Just so you know, in case you go to the score and go, where, where the hell, where, where are the Bulls? Where's Bulls playoff basketball? Well, it's going to be on our sister station, News Radio 780 WBBM. Um, in Odessa, Texas, Richard is with us on the score. Good morning, Richard. Oh, hey, Chris. How are you, sir? I'm good, Richard. How are you in Texas? Well, yeah, I'm doing all right. I, I listen to you guys all the time out here, uh, a transplant. But uh, the only thing is, is uh, I got a question about where does Pat go in the fifth inning, and who is laughing in the background on these broadcasts? Is it that because every time Pat cracks a joke, somebody starts cracking up in the background. I, I need to know who it is. Okay. Um, well, first of all, where does Pat go? Um, and, and I uh, appreciate the phone call, Richard. Pat probably goes to, So I mean, I've seen him in that back room right behind the broadcast booth. Um, there's a, there's like a little mini food room, like cafeteria with, you can get drinks and coffee and then they serve food at certain times. Maybe he goes back in there. 
Uh, I guess that's where he is. There's not a whole lot of room in the broadcast booth for people to just kind of hang out. It's it's very, very small up at Wrigley. And uh, sidebar, for the visiting radio booth, which is whenever I've been at Wrigley Field where I've spent most of my time, and that was usually during Crosstown Cup games, that <laughs> there's there are, there's no room for more than three people. Like, it's three people, and then I would sit on the steps because I was the left-out child. Uh, yeah, it was. it's just very, very small. So I'm assuming that's where Pat goes. I'm assuming Pat goes to the back room and, you know, chills out for an inning, has a has a, a Pepsi or a Coke or a Diet Coke or a coffee or water or whatever it is, just hangs out, cools off, comes back for the remainder of the game. That's where he goes. And I'm guessing when somebody's laughing, it's probably the engineer. Is it Dave Miska still? Or no, Dave is, um, I'm not sure, or is it Rich Wyatt? I don't know. Rich Wyatt's doing Bulls games. So I don't know who the engineer for Cubs games is right now. Do we know, Sean? Is it is it Dave still? I uh, I don't know. I don't think it's Dave Miska. I thought I heard. I actually, uh, I worked a highlight shift this, uh, I think it was Saturday. And I, it was someone's name I didn't recognize, actually. Someone it wasn't Martinez. Zerang, was it? Oh, Martinez. Um, do I know who that is? I don't. I'm not sure. I didn't recognize the name, but it was, like you said, it was Dave Miska for a while, and then I know Rich yeah. Wyatt has stepped in a few times, but uh, I, I don't know who the who was producing. At least this weekend, I didn't recognize the name. So, Okay, yeah, I don't really know. That's a great question. It could also but be it, different on-road broadcasts, too, because I know we were in Colorado. Well, well it, it, de- it definitely is. Um, I'm almost 100% positive they don't travel with their engineer. Almost no teams in any sport. Like, I think maybe in football they might do it because it's only, you One know, game. it's only what? Yeah. Eight, yeah uh, eight games a year or whatever it is now, eight or nine, that you're on the road. Um but most baseball teams, like no hockey teams, travel with an engineer anymore. They always use somebody in that city. I guess, and I guess that makes sense. There's probably enough people where you could do that, but you can definitely feel, especially on TV broadcasts, you can definitely feel when a, a, a broadcast crew is using like a road camera team or a, a road like a producing oh, crew. Yeah. Well, the, well, they will take TV most of the time, if I'm not mistaken, is different than radio. They will travel with like their producer, right, right. Like that, that person will go uh, on the road just because the the TV product is so complicated and there's so many variables, moving parts and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, they usually use like a like a local camera crew. They outsource that kind of thing. But that's been that way for a long time. But the days of radio crews like traveling with their equipment and and all that, it's way cheaper. Like, this is a peek behind the curtain. It is way cheaper to not do that. It's way cheaper to just use um, somebody who's local, contract somebody who's there. And what ends up happening is in those cities, for the most part, the same person will handle every visiting team. So, like at Sox Park, for example, not every time, but a lot of times you see the same engineer for the visiting radio team. It just because teams become comfortable with that person and they know who they are. And, you know, that's just how it works. 
They don't travel as much as more with their own people. You know, companies try to cut money whenever they can, and that's across the board everywhere. So if they don't have to pay for flights and hotels for a, a broadcast engineer, they're not going to. And, and I guess I don't blame them for that because you could still put together a pretty good product that way because these engineers um, that are on site in every city, they know what they're doing. I mean, you might have one or two that's inept, but for the most part, they know what they're doing. Nobody as good as Miska or the Zarangs, Paul, and when Mark was still with us, and Steve even. The Zarangs are the best, just the absolute best. Rich Wyatt, who handles Bulls games, Bulls broadcasts, he's fantastic too. We were very lucky here at, at Odyssey Chicago with the uh, broadcast engineers we've got. I'm just letting you know, and I don't think these people get enough love. They really don't. Eugene and Niles is with us on the score. Good morning, Eugene. Good morning. Um, I was uh, going to still try to talk a little bit about the Bulls, and their their problems was with um, you know beating the very best teams. You know they had so they've had so much trouble, and then like like you were saying earlier, um, you know the issue here becomes whether they could possibly win a game or two. You know that almost nobody would pick them to beat Milwaukee in the series. So I was kind of contemplating. You know, sometimes you get teams that would step up, and you know somehow could. Um, you know, beat the beat the really uh, best teams, even though they have a more average record. You know, and other teams. I, I you know, like obviously not in this case or not to this point, but somehow, um, you know that. You know, uh, having been around for a while, I'm, I'm thinking of some particular teams. Um, I was thinking of some of the Bears teams that. You know, they might have a real average season, but when they play some of the best teams, they would really, um, you know, rise up and uh, even beat some of the best teams. And then you might struggle against some of the more average teams. So anyhow, but obviously with this Bulls team to this point, they haven't been able to do that at all. So, you know, we're, we're still hoping maybe they could win a game or two, but to try to win the series, you know, like it seems we have such a agreement. I hadn't heard anybody to to say that they could beat Milwaukee, and you know, so what what would they need to you know add to their team to be able to you know some some sort of leadership or something where you know maybe next year or whatever they say uh, ball if if uh, ball can get healthy or it, it could be, but what what would be the difference between um, a team that somehow can um, manage to beat the more average teams when, when it counts or, you know, the, the big games as they sometimes call it. So I don't know, maybe, maybe you had a good answer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I, I think what you're wondering is, is it possible? And I appreciate the phone call, Eugene. Is it possible for a team that is lousy 
against really good teams during the regular season to suddenly turn it on in the playoffs. In basketball, uh, I mean, I suppose anything is possible. I suppose it can happen. But I, I, I do think when we were concerned about it during the regular season, as fun as this Bulls team was, and there were so many nights they gave us that were just remarkable and just a lot of fun, and for the first time in a long time, making you feel feelings about them. Even though that was going on, there's always that fear that in the back of your mind, why can't they beat a team that's really good? Why does that rarely ever happen? That could be a problem in the regular season. It's tough if you're a basketball, if you're any kind of team, especially a basketball team, though. It's difficult to just suddenly turn it on against great teams when it counts. Like, you need to show some signs of that during the regular season. If you do, it doesn't necessarily mean that when playoff time rolls around, you're going to be really great against good teams. It just means that you can do it, and we've seen it, and there's there's evidence of it. But I, I, I do think in this case, for this team especially, what they did in the regular season against above 500 teams, really good teams in basketball, their poor record against them, I do think is a bit of an indication of what was to come. I just, I don't know how you do it. it it's possible in baseball, I think, more possible in baseball to be bad against really good teams during the regular season and then go into a playoff series against a 100-win team and beat them. Like, that can happen. Because baseball's weird, and you can have these little breaks and just the, the ball bounces a crazy way. Too many moving variables in baseball. So that kind of stuff can happen. Basketball is a lot more difficult to do that. Football, Anything possible, it's Mark? difficult to do that. So I I would like to think the Bulls could do it in this series. I'm realistic, though, and I'm going to enjoy game two, and I'm going to enjoy game three and four and hope there's a five and maybe there's a six. I'm going to hope that happens. But the Bucks are just really, really, really good. There's a reason they won the championship last season. The number to visit with me on score overnights. 312-644-6767. I'm Chris Ronji, your host. We are broadcasting from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. More coming up next on the Score. Kobe ducks inside, jump pass, left wing to DeRozan, rather on the right. Now on the right block, Booch. Booch against Lopez. Back it in on the right side. Back it in to kick out Levine. Right elbow, three good. It made a couple more winning plays than we did at the end. And I think we had opportunities to to make those. We were in the right position. But, you know, it's tough. I think we, you know, after that uh, first little run they had in the first quarter, we fought back and, you know, we, we let them know that we were here. So I think it's going to be a good, uh, good matchup. Bulls drop game one to the Milwaukee Bucks on Sunday, 93-86. Game two is tomorrow, and as a reminder, that game will be on 
News Radio 780 WBBM. The Cubs are going to play on the score. Uh, Cubs in Tampa Bay, and the two games will be going on at least at one point simultaneously. So um, 780 News Radio 780 will have the call of the Bucks Bulls on Wednesday night. I'm Chris Ranji. This is Score Overnights, and the number is 312-644-6767. 5 o'clock, uh, the Mully and Haw show coming up. They will talk to Brad Biggs at 7. Uh, Lisa Byington is with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, she's on the broadcast at 8 o'clock. They're going to talk with Lisa. And then Mike Florio at 8.42. That's all coming up later today on The Score. Um, also, we will be breaking down the Bulls and the Bucks with Cody Westerland of 670thescore.com. That is coming up in uh, probably the next hour. I think we're going to talk with Cody. But again, the number, if you want to visit with us tonight, 312-644-6767. I am told by multiple texters to that number I just mentioned that it is uh, it's Zach who's laughing in the background, which makes sense. Uh, Zach laughs a lot. He's got a very distinct laugh. And it probably is Zaidman who's laughing at uh, Pat and Ron in the back. And I'm told that Paul Zarang is, I don't think, is that true? Does does Paul do Cubs games? Is, is he the engineer for Cubs games when the Sox are not in town? Because I thought uh, he was still he, with the White Sox. No idea. I, I don't think I heard his name on the broadcast. Uh, but, but Z is awesome. The Zarang family, I know I, know I mentioned them uh, during the last segment. Those, those guys are awesome. And I miss Mark a lot. Just a really solid, solid dude. Super. The, the thing about Mark Zarang, you know, when you're you're doing a broadcast and there's the setup that you've got on the location. So like there's a a broadcast setup in the booth, in the stadium, and you're connected back to the studio. Sometimes there are technical issues. Okay, lot lots of things can pop up. And one of my favorite things about Mark Zarang was that he was so good. He was so good at it that when there was a technical issue, 100 times out of 100, he'd say, it's not on our end. It's not us. It's got to be back in the studio. And 100 times out of 100, he was right. It was never him. Like he never said, oh, shoot. Yeah, I forgot to do this. Or, oh, dang it. I messed up. It was it was never Mark. Paul, same way. Like, they're both that good. Like, if there was some kind of broadcast malfunction, it was never on their part. It was it was always back in the studio with somebody else or a technical issue back in the studio because those guys know and knew their stuff. Just really great people and very, very talented at the work they do. Oh, yeah, that's not our problem. That's That's their problem. Oh, you can't hear the you can't hear the that that's not us. That's got to be back there. They and they were right a hundred times out of a hundred. I'm not kidding you. God, I miss those fools. Uh, you got the number to call three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Regarding the Bulls' record, and this is what we were talking about during the last segment. I don't always think it matters in sports what your record is against good teams or bad teams or whatever. 
I don't think it's necessarily going to predict what happens in a playoff series, but it ain't good. It's, it's not a good sign, especially in a sport like basketball, when you don't do very well against good teams. Now, let me just run through some of this for you. Now, the Bulls were good against the Hawks. They won three of four against the Hawks this year. They were good against Brooklyn, and Brooklyn was kind of a mess for a lot of the year, but it's playoff time now, and I, I don't think they're a mess as much now. They got a good series going on with Boston, but they were 2-1 and one against Brooklyn this year. The Bulls were. Against Cleveland, surprisingly good team, they were 3-1. and one. So those are good records. They were 2-0 and oh against Denver. That's pretty good. Now, here's where they were against the elite teams. And, and the reason I didn't include Brooklyn in elite is Brooklyn didn't play like an elite team throughout the regular season. They just didn't. That's why they're their seven seed right now in the East. But here's what the Bulls did against the really, truly good teams in the NBA this year. Against Golden State, they were 0-2. Against Memphis, 0-2. Against Miami, 0-4. Against the Bucks, 0-4. Against Philadelphia, 0-4. Against the Suns, 0-2. They were 1-1 against Utah. And 3-1 against Toronto. So that's respectable. But, but look at those games. Look at those teams we're talking about. They did not win a single game against the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Heat, the Bucks, or the 76ers, or the Suns. They lost all of those games. That's not good. They didn't get a single win against teams like that. Now, again... That is not necessarily predictive of what's going to happen when the playoffs roll around. But it ain't a good sign. And like I said earlier, I do think it's easier for a baseball team to overcome something like that. Because, again, there are just too many oddities that happen in a baseball game that over the course of a best of five or a best of seven a lot of breaks might go your way. And maybe more importantly, if you're a good team, a lot of breaks might go against you. And you end up losing a series. It is not totally unusual for a 100-win team to lose in a division series in baseball. That happens. It does happen. And I, and I suppose it happens in basketball, too, where a number one seed loses early in the playoffs, but if you're a truly great team, you're going to make a run. It's it's more common than not. You're going to make, like, way more common than not. You're going to make a real run in the playoffs. And I do think it matters. And, and maybe a big part of me throughout the regular season, even though in the back of my mind I knew this is going to be an issue, I knew their, their record against good teams was going to predict something bad. Uh, toward the end of the season, and when we got to the playoffs, I'm sure there was a part of me that was suppressing that, 
because I just wanted to enjoy what was going on and feel like it was going to continue. And I even said that this team has a legitimate chance. And I know I wasn't alone in this. There were a lot of people who said this, that this team had a legitimate chance of going to an Eastern Conference final. Didn't think they wouldn't be an NBA final team. But I certainly thought they could maybe make an Eastern Conference final. And the way they were playing and the wins they were racking up kind of indicated that they might be able to do that. However, we probably should have paid closer attention to the regular season record against the truly elite teams in the league. And I know a lot of people did, and I was aware of it, and I think almost everybody was aware of it. But maybe we kind of pushed that aside a little bit too much. Maybe I did. I know I certainly did. Maybe I just didn't want to believe it. Maybe I just wanted to be a fan. But by the time we got to the end of the regular season and after the All-Star break, when it I wouldn't say it fell apart for the Bulls, but they went from a top-of-the-conference team to a sixth seed kind of fast. I mean, that that drop was precipitous, and it happened relatively quickly. And I think there was your indication that something was going to be wrong here. And I hate to say it, and I wish I had been smarter about it during the regular season. But you know what, man? I was just having a good time. And being a fan, I have conflicting feelings. I don't know how you feel, but I have conflicting feelings about what's happening right now. And if you remember, the last time we talked about this, weeks ago, I said, look, and, and in fact, I had a conversation with Joe Cowley, and this was after the trade deadline, and the Bulls didn't really go for it at the deadline, and I was okay with that, and Cowley wasn't. If you remember this conversation, uh, he thought, no, you know, you're, you're having a great year now. Capitalize on it as best you can. Add to this team in a big way. And they did. I mean, they got Tristan Thompson. I wouldn't say that's a huge addition, but it is an addition. I'm not sure you're going to do much better than that, but his thought process is you're in it now. So you do everything you can now to give yourself the best chance to win now. But my thinking was this team's pretty good, and I don't know that they could make an acquisition to make them great at the deadline So, I'm going to be happy with this team getting to the playoffs, taking a step in the right direction, making progress as an organization, and then hopefully get to the playoffs, win a series, and then if that's it, okay, fine. I'll be disappointed, but I will be pleased when I take a step back and look at what they've done and what they've accomplished, and hoping that by looking at the product can say this organization is moving in the right direction. And you know what? Even if they get swept here, I think that you can still make that argument. In fact, I I think you have to make the argument 
this organization is moving in the right direction. It's not a perfect team. It's not a great team. It is a good team that needs some help, needs a little more progress, but I think they are heading in the right direction. So for me, watching a team that was not a playoff team and was in a miserable position for the last few years, leading into this season, I am happy if, if, I, if I move away and look at it from 10,000 feet, I feel pretty good about this team and where they are right now. In the moment, however, watching the playoff series, I cannot be, I cannot help but be upset with the fact they didn't take advantage of a game they should have won and was there for them to take on Sunday night. That does bum me out, and I am disappointed, while also being able to compartmentalize, take a step back and realize, hey, they look pretty good as an organization moving forward, and there are better days ahead. I could do both things, I think. Cody Westerlin's going to break down the Bulls with us uh, in the next hour, I believe. When we come back, however, after the Cubs win 4-2 to two last night over the Tampa Bay Rays, the White Sox, by the way, uh, had the night off. They were supposed to play the Guardians and got postponed. So that's going to be a split doubleheader in July. I believe July 12, they're going to play a split doubleheader. Um, so no Sox game last night. Cubs won at Wrigley Field 4-2 to two against the Rays. Kyle Hendricks, decent, got into the fifth inning. And this was not like the pretty lousy game he had earlier. Uh, in the season, but for Hendricks, four and a third, gave up a couple of runs, five hits. He struck out six today. Keegan Thompson was great, and he's been really good again. I know, small sample size, but we're talking about somebody who's pitched almost 10 innings this year, hasn't given up a run yet out of the bullpen, multiple inning outings every time, three and two thirds, three and a third, two innings. That's what he's given them. And at some point, you're probably looking at a guy who's going to earn himself a start. So a lot of good things happening at Wrigley Field last night. A win against a good Tampa Bay Rays team. The Cubs improved to 6-4. and four. When we come back, we're going to hear from manager David Ross. We will get his post-game comments after the Cubs beat the Rays at Wrigley in Game 1 of the series last night. I'm Chris Ranji. This is Score Overnights. And now the 2-2. Swing and a miss, strike three. Got him again with that cut fastball. It comes in looking like a regular fastball, and then at the last second, it just kind of darts outside away from a right-handed batter. I think I had a little more experience in, um, you know, having some of that under my belt. But yes, it does give you a little more confidence, and when you're throwing well, you have a lot of confidence as well. So, yeah, I'm excited to get back on the mound between each pitch. You heard the voices of Virgil Patrick Hughes and Keegan Thompson. Cubs win 4-2 to two over the Tampa Bay Rays at Wrigley Field last night. Uh, the Cubs are 6-4 and four on the season. Pretty good start for them. Uh, you kind of have to be pleased with where they are, at least to begin the year. And with that win last night, 
I don't know if you're following standings or not. I don't know if you're one of those people. But, yeah, I, I peek. I peek pretty much every day just to see where people are, even though it's less than two weeks into the regular season. Or maybe we are, are we just past two weeks? I think we are. I think we're just past two weeks. Well, so it was thir- So this Thursday coming up will be two weeks, right? Yeah, just because this was okay. the first full week of the season, I guess. Okay. So two weeks of the season coming up here, and the Cubs and the Cardinals are in a uh, virtual tie for first. Well, the Cardinals are five and three. Cubs are six and four. So uh, with two games in hand, the Cardinals are five and three here. So uh, both teams doing well to start the year. Cubs have a positive run differential. They are a plus nine on the season which is second best in the division, as you can imagine, behind St. Louis. They've now won a couple of games in a row. Uh, the White Sox, as I mentioned earlier, did not play last night. They got postponed, so they will play Cleveland tonight. And the game that was postponed last night going to be made up as part of a doubleheader in July. Let's Before we hear from David Ross, let's talk to Don the Cabbie with us on score overnights. Hello, Don. How you doing, Chris Ranji? I feel like a million. How are you? I miss you, man. I miss you all the time. <laughs> I miss you too. What's going on? Listen, listen, listening to uh, White Sox post games with Connor McKnight. It's almost uh, like listening to Lady Gaga trying to be Madonna. You are the standard for post games, and we need you back, man, for the post games for the White Sox because you you are the thank, best that ever was. I got to be honest. Thank you. That's very nice. But I think Lady Gaga is pretty talented. Ninety nine people in the room. Come on. Um, <laughs> okay, I think she's. I think she's she's very talented. Tony Bennett. Yeah, likes her. but she's no Madonna, and Connor okay. McKnight is no Chris Ranji. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I got two more points. One of them, please talk to Mitch Rosen to give Sean Sears at least one day. It's like the man's warehouse, the guy with the suits. I guarantee he's going to do a good job. And secondly, um, I made up a joke. Uh-oh. From the, do I want to okay, hear it? It's a good, it's a, yeah, it's PG-13. So it's okay. from the category, if you like to give it, you should be able to take it. So God is playing cards with St. Peter's. And they hear a banging on the door. And uh, God sends St. Peter to see what it is. And he comes back and he says, it's Bernstein. And uh, God gets all excited and says, which one, Leonard? And St. Peter's like, nah, it's Dan. So what does he want? He wants to come in. All right, you know, go and tell him that, that we can't make him happy. We don't have mirrors and fancy uh, dictionaries in heaven. So he goes and tells Bernstein. Bernstein's like, oh. And then they close the doors, and then he starts yelling, Les, put it a good word for me. Pluto is the planet. Pluto is the planet. Pluto is the planet. Thank you. Have a good night. <laughs> Thank you very much, Don. I I appreciate it. So, did, wait, did we, did we determine that Bernstein is not going to make it through the gates? The pearly I, ones, I, not, I, not the hell gates, the other one. I guess the so. The nice ones. Yeah, I, I according to Don, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know if I, I don't think Bernstein is that bad of a person. 
I, I've had I think little he's, interaction with him, but I mean, he's been very pleasant to me. <laughs> yeah, he's he's always really pleasant to me too. I've always liked Dan Bernstein. I never I never look at Bernstein and go, that man's going straight to hell. No, no. I've never thought that. I don't think so either. I uh, hmm. I don't know. I think he's a nice guy. I don't know. I don't get well, the I don't get the Bernstein hate, even like as as, as a host or whatnot. I think oh, I totally great. get it. I totally get why people hate him. But I don't hate him, but I think it's because I know him. Sure. And I and and again, I just I don't think Bernstein is is destined for uh, eternal damnation. I don't think so. I mean, I could totally be wrong, but I think he's I think he's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too worried about Bernstein in hell. Or or maybe he will go. I there, there's no telling. And you know what? There's no way to find out after the fact either. Like, he can't report back to us and say, guys, this did not go the way I thought it was going to. He can't do that. But I would be curious. I, I, he'll be okay, I think. We really need to look out for me. I'm the one who might need saving. It might be me. I need Don the cabbie to pray for me. I ain't worried about Dan Bernstein. I'm worried about me. About, about number one over here. Hey, speaking of number one, uh, I heard this is this is only a rumor, but I think we're going to get to the bottom of this before the show is over today. I was told, I was alerted by uh, by a friend to the fact that I was being dragged by Mark Grody, Lawrence Holmes, and Matt Spiegel yesterday during transition. I have not heard this. I think Sean Sears has found the evidence of what happened. But I'm minding my business on a Monday afternoon, and I receive a text message, hey, the guys on the score are lighting you up right now. And I have to be honest with you, I don't appreciate it. I don't know who these people think they are. I know Grody is a Hall of Famer, and ever since he's become a Hall of Famer, he's become a real jerk. I was an inaugural Hall of Famer at Illinois State University Broadcast Hall of Fame. Grody just got in like a week ago or two weeks ago. And ever since that happened, his attitude has completely changed. He's become miserable. He's become insufferable. He's become egocentric. He yells at children that aren't his. And he's mean to me. And I don't care for it. I really don't. We're going to get to the bottom of this. I can't wait to hear. I, I shouldn't say I can't wait. Because I would prefer to not have to hear what I think I'm going to hear when we come back. I know I mentioned we're going to get to David Ross. We will. I promise. 
but I'm I'm alerted to what has happened or what did happen yesterday. And I, I gotta I gotta hear this for myself. So that's gonna happen. Cody Westerland is going to happen to talk bulls with us, and uh, David Ross post game after the Cubs beat the Rays at Wrigley last night. My teammates, my my teammates dragging me for no reason. I just want to be left alone. I'm Chris Ranji on Score Overnights. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.